Pastor Henry Harder, the Renewal Singers, and I, Ed Peters, welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We continue today with our study in Matthew chapter 3, moving on to verses 11 and 12. This third chapter opens with Matthew's account of the events surrounding John the Baptist. Matthew tells us that he is the one prophesied by the Old Testament prophets, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, began his ministry in the Judean wilderness, and his message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew tells us that crowds of people came to hear his message. They repented of their sins and were baptized. On our previous study, taken from verses 7 through 10, Matthew tells us that even the religious leaders of the Jews came to hear him. His message to these religious leaders was that they were no different than anyone else. They also needed to repent of their sins before they could be baptized. We now move on to verses 11 and 12 of Matthew chapter 3. Here in these verses, John the Baptist introduces the people to the Messiah, the one that he is preparing the way for. Here in these two verses, John, as do many of the Old Testament prophets, compress the first and second coming of Christ so that they seem to be but one event. Here now are verses 11 and 12 of Matthew chapter 3. With water I baptize those who repent of their sins, but someone else is coming, far greater than I am, so great that I am not worthy to carry his shoes. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will separate the chaff from the grain, burning the chaff with never-ending fire, and storing away the grain.
John is saying, I baptize with water, but one is coming, and when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That final and is now about 2,000 years long. We are living in the age of the Holy Spirit. Christ Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit in this present age. He will baptize with fire when he comes the second time, and fire means judgment. This distinction needs to be made. Now here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. Usually a disciple came after the master whom he followed. But in the case of John the Baptist, he preceded his master. He was the introducer of Christ. He was only six months older than his second cousin, Jesus. He burst onto the historical scene as a preacher in the Judean desert. He preached repentance from sin, and he baptized people upon their repentance. And he preached about the imminent coming of God's rule, the kingdom of heaven. On one occasion when the Pharisees and Sadducees were in his audience, John said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering the wheat into his barn, and burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Chapter 3 of Matthew 11 and 12. John was a great man, but John was a humble man. He himself said that he wasn't worthy to carry or to untie the sandals of the coming Messiah. Of course, no human is. John had a large audience and many followers. He could easily have started a movement the movement would have been named after him, but he deferred to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the introducer of the Messiah. At the very outset, he informed his listeners that a greater one was about to be revealed and that they should follow him. John wanted his followers to forsake him and follow Jesus. So he made sure that they understood that he was the lesser and Jesus the greater. He called Jesus one who is more powerful than I. And that word more powerful is used of God in the Old Testament. Perhaps John deliberately chose that word, meaning to equate the Messiah, Jesus, with the person of God himself. John the Baptist was a great man, but he was a humble man. While John baptized only in water, Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. The picture of spirit baptism was not foreign to the Jews. Several prophets spoke about the coming outpouring of the Spirit of God. Joel predicted the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon Israel in chapter 2, 28-29. He quoted God as saying, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Of course, in part, this did happen to representatives of Israel who had accepted the Savior and who had gathered on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 2. I believe, however, that the final and full fulfillment of Joel's prophecy 
will come just before the return of the Lord, at the end of history as we know it, when Israel as a nation will receive their Messiah. Paul wrote about a coming time when all Israel would be saved, Romans 11:26. When God's Spirit will enter that redeemed nation, things will happen such as this world has never seen. John the Baptist also predicts that Jesus will also baptize with fire. That wasn't strange to Israel. Malachi, the last prophet, wrote about John's coming and about the coming of the Lord who would refine and cleanse with fire. Since fire is a cleansing and purifying agent, perhaps John is referring to that time when Israel will be cleansed and purified of their sin. In that way, the Messiah will prepare a remnant for his kingdom. While baptism with the Spirit and fire is positive, in verse 12, Matthew records the negative. John, referring to Christ, says his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering the wheat into his barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The Messiah will be the great judge. God has given all judgment into the hands of the Son. Like it or not, he will separate the wheat from the chaff. John is talking about people, using the picture of threshing the grain. After the grain stalks were beaten in some way, what was left was tossed into the air with a fork. The chaff would be driven by the wind to the side while the grain fell to the ground. The wheat was gathered and stored in the barn and the chaff was burned. John is no doubt speaking about people who have come to God his way through his Savior. Those are the wheat. They are taken in and protected. But the chaff must be those who have not accepted God's way of salvation. They will be cast into unquenchable fire. Unquenchable fire must refer to the eschatological judgment to eternal hell, where no one ever dies, and where the fire is never extinguished. Now that is a fearful prospect. For us humans, it is hard to understand that a loving and fair God would forever punish those who refuse his way of salvation. But that's what the Bible teaches. We would understand it if we knew the enormity of sin, and particularly the sin of rejecting God's Savior, and if we understood how holiness must abhor sin. If we humans had the capacity to understand those two things, then we would not have a problem with God's eternal punishment for the one who turns against him and his salvation. Mark records Jesus as saying, Repent and believe the good news. Mark 1.15 Those words were spoken right after John had been imprisoned. Salvation involves repentance from sin and believing the gospel, the good news, that Jesus came and paid for every sin. Repent and believe the gospel.
What's New is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 840H, After California, 93263, USA.